1: Welcome to today's edition of the broadcast. I am Dr. David DeRose. We have got a great show lined up for you. A lot of amazing folks here at the ASI International Convention in Orlando, Florida. It is August of 2021, and across from me right now is Steve Verse. Steve, it's great to have you with us.
2: Yes, thank you for inviting me today, Dr. DeRose. Steve,
1: you are someone who, although maybe your name may not be known throughout the country and the world, you were involved with the spiritual and emotional care of people who were traumatized by something that really captured headlines for weeks, literally. That was that implosion, if you will, of the Champlain Towers in the Miami area. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with coordinating that aspect of the care.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, I worked with the uh, Florida Conference um, with the Disaster Response through Adventist Community Services. And we are one of the national VOAD uh, participants in disasters. And we're also um, part of the uh, local VOAD for the uh, state of Florida. And we are one of the points of contact and we provide services as part of the participating agencies for disaster response. And Adventist Community Services, we're one of the uh, providers that provide emotional and spiritual care for people that go through disaster.
1: Wow, wow. So, I mean, this was a horrific thing. You know, it's bad enough, uh, fire, floods, hurricanes. Usually there's some warning in those situations. Uh, I mean, earthquake, uh, implosions of buildings, things like that, uh, often no warning whatsoever. Tell us a little bit uh, just kind of your initial impressions as you met with the uh, with the survivors of that event
2: well it was a terrible event and mm. as you said before it caught national attention and I was um, called by the uh, local Voad there of the state of Florida and because of our specialized training in emotional and spiritual care we were asked to uh, set up a number of programs to help the survivors and the families of those uh, who experienced the disaster. Uh, one of those uh, things that we did is we set up distribution centers hmm. uh, and uh, collection centers for goods for those who had gone through the disaster or their immediate families. And uh, we also uh, were there at... Uh, ground zero, uh, providing emotional and spiritual care for people uh, that had experienced that disaster or they had lost family members. Mm. And so with that specialized training, we we provide uh, the services free of charge and we're there as long as we need to be to minister to the people who uh, have experienced that disaster.
1: So help us, Steve. Someone's listening into the show right now. They haven't lived maybe through something that cataclysmic, but in their own life, the trauma that they've gone through because of abuse maybe in the family. Yes. Maybe it was uh, a natural disaster. This isn't necessarily that, but it's, uh, it's along the magnitude of sometimes what we see with these things. What kind of things do you do when you meet with someone? Let's say I I'm such a person. I just, uh, yes. I'm, I'm wondering about my loved ones. Are they still alive? And I sit yeah. down with you. What, yeah. what happens? Yes,
2: exactly. You know, the, the greatest skill you can have in emotional and spiritual care is to listen. Wow. To listen to uh, how people feel mm-hmm. to help them to begin to process the grief that they feel and the shock. Uh, because there are several different responses that people have uh, when they go through crisis like this. Sometimes they can be angry. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can be confused. Sometimes they can be in denial. And so what, what our main goal is to do is to let people know that we're there to listen. Mm. We're there to hear you, and we're there to, to help you to go through the emotional things that happen uh, when disasters like this happen. And we're there to provide support. We're there to pro- provide the basic needs that, sh- that you may have, such as food or mm-hmm. clothing or whatever it may be. And we did that through the follow-up care after uh, the initial interview that we did.
1: What you're sharing is so powerful. I was listening to someone sharing about the death of a loved one, and they told how someone came to their home, and they actually didn't say anything. They just, I I mean, presumably they said something, but their description of what happened is this person just came and was with them, and they were saying how comforting that was. And a lot of times, Steve... When I hear people talking about someone they know that just went through something difficult, they say, well, I don't know what to say. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't reach out to them. But what I hear you saying is one of the things that people most need when they're going through a crisis is just someone else who is present. Am I hearing that right?
2: Yes, just to listen. Now there there are techniques to listening mm-hmm. uh you don't make any value judgments and okay. you don't you know say you know some of the common things people say i know how you feel okay. because we do not know how they feel fair enough fair enough and and so it's just having a, a skilled listening ear and uh being ready uh to let people express how they feel and, uh, uh, at times we even dealt with fir- first responders mm-hmm. because when you're, when you're finding, you know, some of the things that were found there, you know, the, the amount of death that was there mm-hmm. and then having to uncover all of, all of that, that's very traumatic on the human psyche. Mm-hmm. And so just being there to listen and to help people is the main thing.
1: So let's say someone is listening to this show today. Of course it's pre recorded, but they're listening, Steve, when this is when this is airing. And maybe as they're listening, they're thinking of something that they lost maybe weeks, months ago, years ago. Maybe they didn't have anyone like you, like Adventist Community Services who came around. Maybe it wasn't of a scope that a national organization was involved. Are there any tasks or are there any Things that a person needs to address if they're saying, I just can't get beyond this. Or is it just reaching out for professional help? What do you recommend?
2: Well, it can take the whole gambit. Mm -hmm. Providing brief recovery seminars, as I've done throughout my past, and providing those types of services. Sometimes people can get stuck. At, at certain spots. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, there's a very uh, famous technique. It's, uh, it was developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. It's mm-hmm. the stages stages of grief. And uh, just knowing that there's a process that you need to go through mm-hmm. in terms of grief, just educating yourself, and sometimes there may be professional help that may be needed. And uh, sometimes it's the online help. And sometimes just talking to a friend
3: mm-hmm. many
2: times can take you through that. And um, so what you want to do is you want to make sure that if, if you find your stock, to reach out for resources by which to do that. And there are plenty of them. Uh, like, for example, sometimes people, when they experience the loss of a loved one, uh, the funeral homes sometimes provide grief recovery services. Excellent, excellent. Or, or lost services as it were. Uh-huh. And then there are other non-profit organizations that, that can help you work through that as well. And, uh, Adventist Community Services, we provide, uh, a whole network of these things and we, uh, sometimes host them. And so you want to check in your local city and your local area and, uh, see if there are those who are available to help.
1: Now, I know, Steve, that you have um, a website, I understand, and a a YouTube channel as well. Is that uh, largely focused on this type of stuff, or is it broader than that?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, it's involved uh, with ministry. Okay. It's involved with ministry because... you know grief recovery and these other things are areas of ministry mm-hmm. and our material it has to do with preaching services and all of that okay. which we as welcome. a pastor uh-huh. yes you're welcome welcome to do that um but we also have uh, a website uh it's called org, and that's our national that's our national uh, program and uh, we provide those type of services and uh, you can refer to that as a means to help you with some of the needs that you might have. And then uh, there are also Adventist community service centers in the various cities around mm-hmm. the, the uh, United States uh, that provide feeding programs, clothing distribution, as well as some of the uh, counseling services we've been talking about. And so all of these services are provided for free.
1: So, Steve, I've written down here, as far as my notes, AdventistCommunityServices.org. Yes. That's how maybe a tribe or a community yes. or someone interested in, in some larger-scale event yes. could reach out. yes. When we're talking about an individual, yep. I understood you to say, look for local sources of care. Of course, there may be Adventist community services centers in their area, but they may want to reach out to a crisis line yes. or a suicide prevention line yes. if, it's, if it's looking that bleak. Is that right? Yes,
2: Yes. exactly. And uh, with the Internet, uh, you can find your community sources from a uh, Various uh, webpages, so on and so forth. And so, uh, for example, if you uh, experience loss, uh, then you can look up grief recovery or loss okay. recovery counseling in your area. And there are even some city websites. Uh, the municipalities uh, will have uh, references for free follow-up services. And then there are uh, various types of counseling centers as well. And many of them provide services for free.
1: Now let's go back to Champlain Towers, where we started, how you and I got connected, at least as far as this particular show. A lot of folks focused on the lives that were lost, the the towers that imploded. But the whole rest of the building, that was all ultimately demolished. And my understanding is those people never got to go back and retrieve anything. Did you deal with people who were traumatized by that whole process as well?
2: Yes, and, and what we did is we set up a collection centers where that people gave uh, various types of goods, wa- you know, water, clothing, food, uh-huh. and we provided for those that responded. And we worked with other agencies to provide a continuum of care for all of those who were survivors. And then we had various types of agencies that work with us to to make sure that the various types of follow-up were done. See Adventist Community Services, we worked in the area of spiritual and emotional care, Mm -hmm. as well as warehousing and distribution. There are other organizations that are part of the national VOAD that do other types of programs. And so we would do the centralized collecting of information and then we would farm out the various responsibilities that were needed, uh, for the various agencies that were involved. Like, for example, when we needed feeding kitchens, you know, there were agencies that would do that, nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And so each nonprofit plays their individual part, and then people would be referred for the needs that they had. Like, for example, the Red Cross, um, we work with them as well as Baptist Social Services, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so we, we each do our area of expertise, and then that way there's a complete continuum of care.
1: Excellent. You mentioned a term a number of times where well, we're just about out of time in this segment, Steve, but VOAD, just to, so we're all up to speed. What does that refer to?
2: Okay, VOAD stands for Volunteer Organizations Active During Disasters.
1: Okay.
2: We're all a family of services that are provided during disaster response times.
1: Tremendous. Steve, as we wind up this segment, and I know you've got to run, but uh, any final messages for those who may have experienced loss, just something short that people could take with them?
2: Well, what I would say, I would say that uh, there is a God in heaven that cares and loves each of us. And he's put it into many people's hearts to help during times of disasters. And please feel free to reach out to God as well as those who are serving him through disaster.
1: Tremendous. Thanks for uh, those encouraging words, Stephen. Continued success in the great work that
2: you're doing. Thank you very much, Dr. DeRose.
1: We have to step away. We're going to be back with more great guests from ASI 2021 in Orlando. Don't go away. Dr. DeRose, I will be right back with you.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web. At O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, org. Or you can call us at 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. We'll be right back after this.
4: We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
5: When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: You are back with Dr. David DeRose. We're speaking about things that, well, I mean, they sound pretty traumatic, but the point is the Creator can bring good even out of catastrophe. We just talked about the Champlain Towers. We're going to speak about a catastrophe that is even greater in magnitude. And it actually, uh, I've learned over the years, is something that is pretty much enshrined in just about every native culture that I've gotten deeply into. It has to do with this idea about, in distant history, there one time being a worldwide flood, a global flood. Just a myth? Just a story? Why is it so pervasive? To help us answer this question and draw practical lessons is Ben Burkhart. Ben is with a group called Clear Call Ministries. Ben, it's great to have you with us.
6: Thank you. Good to be here, Dr. DeRose.
1: Ben, you and I had a chance of, uh, of rubbing shoulders at uh, some meetings that we were both involved with uh, actually in the heart of Indian country in Oklahoma a few weeks ago, and uh, enjoyed meeting you and learning a little bit about what you're doing. Of course, a lot of people here the Group that you work with, Clear Call Ministries, are saying this sounds like a, a Christian organization. Is that a, a safe conclusion?
6: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We believe in Christ. Uh, we believe in Jesus, and we believe in God's clear call for our lives. That God has a message for us that He wants to hear from the Bible.
1: Now, a lot of folks, when they hear that, many of my listeners, they say, "Hey, this is going to be great." I mean, we're right on the same page. Other folks are starting to say, "Hey, you know, Christianity, Bible, um, in Indian country where they come from." That was just a code word, if you will, for oppression, racism, cultural and physical genocide. So regardless of what people think about all those topics, we're going to focus on this whole question about is there really evidence that there might have been a global catastrophe? Of course, the Bible speaks of it, but I've been surprised how many indigenous traditions throughout the world actually talk about this. Is that anything you've particularly looked at in your work?
6: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know there's around 270 different cultures of the world, according to Dr. Dwayne Gish, um, who was into, you know, sciences and creation, about 270 cultures of the world that have flood legends. And so we see them all over the world.
1: And so a lot of people have said, well, you know, it's just one group borrowing from another. But a lot of folks uh, in the sociology and anthropology realm says, you know what, this is why is this so pervasive? Maybe something did happen. Now, a lot of folks say, well, there might have been local floods and things, but you have done some interesting research looking at geology and other things. Do you find in the geologic column or other things evidence that there could have been a worldwide catechismic flood?
6: Yeah, absolutely. When we look at the sedimentary layers of the Earth's surface, uh, first we have to realize that sedimentation usually occurs in water. And so these layers, the sediment, they believe that, you know, they're formed from water. So we have these layers right on the surface of the earth, sedimentary layers, and they find fossils all through those. Mm-hmm. And marine fossils, ocean fish, these kinds of things are some of the you know, primary fossils they find in a lot of these layers. For example, if you go look at the Grand Canyon in Arizona, they have uh, you know, a lot of marine fossils throughout those layers, as well as other creatures. Mm-hmm. And if you go to visit the south rim of the Grand Canyon, if you look right up on the top, about 7,000 feet above sea level, you will find a number of of uh, ocean fossils, like little uh, sponges and clamshells, all sorts of things right there on the very top of the Grand Canyon, 7,000 feet above sea level. If you go down to the bottom of the canyon, it's about 2,200 feet where the river is Mm -hmm. above sea level. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, material there, layers and distances covered, you know, within that canyon. But they find marine fossils all throughout those different layers and right up there on the very top. And they even find fossils of other, you know, land animals and even of tracks that are in the layers down below. So Hmm. the evidence shows us that the ocean was covering the entire Grand Canyon and Hmm. helped to form those layers to be able to get this marine life within those layers.
1: I was, uh, some years ago, I had the privilege of of doing some meetings in several different communities with a, a geologist. This woman had a Ph.D., And I had had looked into this topic and said, typically people think these layers formed over thousands, tens of thousands, millions of years in Mm -hmm. some cases, depending on what framework you use. And she was saying there's a lot of things about just when you analyze the layers that seem to argue against a slow deposition over thousands and thousands of years. From your perspective, does that sound reasonable and why? Why?
6: Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the big things is the contact points between the layers Mm -hmm. is actually flat. You don't find, you don't find a lot of, uh, you know, erosion or irregular erosion patterns like you would find on the surface of the earth. We see today, if you look at the surface, you'll find all kinds of irregularities, you know, little canyons of rivers and washways Mm -hmm. and different sorts of things that you would find on the surface of the earth. But we don't find this with the, the sedimentary layers. We actually find very clean contact points between them which would suggest that they were laid down quickly, you know, like settling out in a catastrophe. We see a very clean line when when sediments settle out. We see a very clean line, and that's what we see in the layers today. So
1: it's a very, you know, interesting dialogue. You know, there's this anthropologic evidence that suggests that it's been retained in cultures, memories, their oral histories. There's, of course, some of this geologic evidence, you know, of of which Mm -hmm. you've been touching on, And there's some folks listening today, no doubt, that are resonating with this. They've maybe looked into these things and they agree with it. Others are saying, you know, this just sounds like a bunch of nonsense. You know, and I've heard both, and and no Mm -hmm. doubt you have as well. Sure. Yeah. Here's the question. A lot of indigenous cultures look at evidence of a global flood or oral history of a global flood, and they tie it into some spiritual larger narrative. Of course, there's that narrative in the ancient uh, scriptures that are called the Bible, Mm -hmm. Why does it make a difference to you? Because you're interested in, in encouraging people, helping people today. Why is
6: this whole question even material? That's a great question. Yeah, I think it's very important because the Bible does say, you know, that, that this great event occurred. And when we look at the evidence in the earth, we find, we find the evidence for what the Bible says. You know, it, it completely corroborates the Bible it uh, you know helps to establish the fact that the testimony of the scriptures is true, right? That we see, you know, there's a record in the Bible and there's a record in the earth. There's a record in the layers. You know, we see that. We see the evidence. So why is that important? Well, the Bible has a larger message than simply an act of God's divine intervention or judgment. The Bible has a larger message. And that message is a message of hope. It's mm-hmm. a message of salvation. That God has a plan For humanity in the future that he never wanted us to live just in sin and suffering and pain you know sickness in this world but God wants us to experience eternity with him he wants us to have a new life and to experience the fullness of life because this world is is so broken there's a lot of pain that we suffer as humanity pain in our families and our communities uh you know pain personally and God wants us to experience life abundant and life for eternity, which can be found through Jesus. It can be found through the message of hope that the Bible is offering us, that God actually has plans to restore things to the way that it was meant to be. Not the way this world is now messed up, but he has plans to bring us a greater future. And so I believe that the evidence we see here helps us to know that God's message is true, that we can trust the Bible, and we can believe in the true hope that Christ is offering us.
1: So like I said earlier, Ben, some folks are resonating with this. They say, boy, I'd like to hear more from Ben Burkhart. Other folks are uh, are feeling differently because we, we want to segue to some of the other practical biblical themes that resonate across cultural lines. Uh, I've done this in some of the health work that I've done. You know, whether someone ever believes in Jesus, uh, accepts him as their Savior, whether they embrace the biblical message— we want to talk to people across the spiritual spectrum in this segment. So before we do that, if folks want more from this biblical perspective that you share with Clear Call Ministries, how do they learn more about you and what you do?
6: Sure. Uh, so they can visit us on YouTube at Clear Call Ministries. Uh, Clear Call Ministries. And just make sure you find Ben Burkhart on there. So Clear Call Ministries and Ben Burkhart. this should be able to see my name come up on there. Uh, so they can find us there. They can also find us on Facebook. You can be found at ClearCallMinistries and ClearCallMinistries.com, as well as SeminarsByBen.com. Those are some places where they can definitely find more.
1: Okay. I've got Clear Call Ministries. If I can remember that, just put a .com after it, check it out on YouTube, mm-hmm. Facebook, and I'm good to go. Yes. Let's look in the remaining time we've got in this segment, Ben, at some principles that can help someone today. Someone is dealing with loss. They haven't lived through a global flood. Uh, they haven't uh, seen uh, their home just demolished and lost family members like the Champlain Towers. What messages of hope are there, hopeful themes, apart from this, the powerful spiritual messages of the Bible?
6: Mm-hmm. So you're asking hope, hope in, that we find in the world without the Bible itself? No, or? no. I'm
1: saying, I'm saying principles in the Bible, like caring for others. I'm speaking of some of these things that, that okay. we would say are Christian principles. We're not trying to divorce them. Mm-hmm. from the, the God of the Bible, but I know some folks think that Christianity, like I said earlier, is just a tool for oppression and injustice. Mm-hmm. What kind of messages do you see that are healing there?
6: Oh, okay. Yeah, well, the Bible is filled with messages of hope. The Bible is filled with messages of healing. And, you know, I think about the way Jesus tells us to be kind to one another, mm. even to our enemies, right? To love our enemies. So we see that kind of thing. We see the Bible uh, giving us principles of uh, family life, principles for marriage, right? Principles for happy homes, principles for, you know, the preservation of marriage even before we get married, right? Mm. Uh, you know, not uh, not running around and wasting our lives with, you know, substance abuse or, you know, sexual sin. These kinds of things that, uh, you know, the Bible speaks about tremendous
1: tremendous ben i know there's a lot of practical things we could emphasize Mm -hmm. uh, if we had more time but uh, our segment has slipped away from us thanks for sharing your perspectives Mm -hmm. and trying to give us uh some hope when uh, things uh, all around us are looking so crazy
6: yeah sure you're welcome glad to share success to you all right thank you
1: Dr. David DeRose with you. We've got more coming from ASI. We're going to segue completely to something that will help people across the board. No matter what you think, we're going to speak about how your diet can change your health. Don't go away. That's coming up right after these important messages.
0: American Indian and Alaska Native living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, Please contact us on the web at aianl.org or call 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org.
7: Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart and you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at SAMHSA.gov support. That's samhs slash support.
6: Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth.
7: If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov meth.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are here at the ASI International Convention, and we've been on kind of a somber note. Talking about worldwide floods and collapsing condominiums, but now we want to talk about how to rebuild. What kind of things can help you rebuild if you feel like you've gone through a personal crisis? And I've got someone who works with a group of folks who actually do that. Naomi is sitting across from me. Naomi Prelia, it's great to have you with us.
5: Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: Naomi, tell us about the organization that you work for.
5: Okay, well, Living Springs Retreat is the name of our organization, and it started in New York, but then it moved to Alabama back in about 2007, and we bought a large home, and we started this lifestyle center back in 2010.
1: Okay, now we have some history, uh, somewhat, Yeah. because I used to work at that original Living Springs yes. facility outside of New York City many years ago, <laughs> and uh, now relocated down to Alabama, a little bit cheaper cost of living down there for
5: sure and the laws aren't quite as as stringent as they are up in new york (laughs) okay but
1: you're doing some great stuff people come to you um often with some physical ailments maybe mental health ailments and you have a one-week program right
5: yes we have a one-week detox and they come on sunday and they leave the following sunday
1: and so what does uh, the program look like if I were to show up?
5: Well, we help them. We give them a good meal on Sunday, okay. and then we do juicing for two days because wow. it's good to detox the system. Mm-hmm. People come have come from all different backgrounds. Some are vegetarians, some are not, and we offer a plant-based program. But we just want to start them out with a good detox. So they do juicing for the two days, and but we also do cooking classes, and they get the rest of the good meals the rest of the week um, and just learn how to better take care of their health and what they're putting into their bodies.
1: So let's talk about a typical client. Is that what you call the folks who a come? Guest. A typical guest yeah. who comes to the Living Springs Retreat. What would they be coming with? I mean, give me some examples, some of the reasons oh, they're they there. Oh, they can
5: be there for weight. They can be there for, um, we do get guests with cancer, mm-hmm. with irritable bowel, and with... Um, Skin issues. People come with all kinds of things. Okay, so it's yeah. mostly
1: physical health reasons. Mostly bring physical
5: them. health. Yeah.
1: But a lot of the times, we find that people with those physical health things have often had trauma and mental health yeah. and spiritual health yeah. issues too, right? Well,
5: we do know that one of our lectures is talking about forgiveness, and we okay. do know that there is a connection between forgiveness and our health. Tremendous.
1: So, so they come. You're giving them educational lectures yep. on physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, all that included?
5: We're, yeah, we're doing the physical and the mental. We don't focus as much on the mental, mm-hmm. but we, obviously the spiritual connection is in there as well. The now,
1: you have a special role in the program.
5: Well, my role is cooking. So okay. I'm usually in the kitchen, okay. but I also do do the cooking classes as well because we do have a cooking class every morning um, so they can see some of the food that they're eating and how to prepare it.
1: Now, we're recording this show in August of 2021, probably going to be airing you know, within a month or two. That's typically what timeline we use. But sometimes we'll re-air shows. Many of our networks that, uh, that feature the show will re-air it in the future. So we don't want to give a specific price for your program, but kind of price range for a week program. I mean, it's, just, a,
5: it's just a bit under 2000
1: Okay. And so someone might be listening and say, this sounds wonderful. I don't have that kind of money. Can you give some pointers? Like, what kind of dietary things do you do? What kind of things? Just well, to...
5: I can tell you that we also do offer virtual programs. You
1: do? Because
5: of COVID, we said we need to start reaching some people with that. And so we do have some, co- we do have a virtual program coming up in November. Okay. And, um, you know, three or four times a year, we do offer that and that they aren't there to enjoy our meals, our lodging, our treatments but they're getting some educational information that they can do at home. Wow. And so that is much more economical and much more they have to take the discipline and initiative, but it gives them the tools and the information that if they will put it into practice, they can see the benefits.
1: Okay. So how does someone get information about Living Springs Retreat?
5: LivingSpringsRetreat.com.
1: No way. It's that easy, huh? Yeah, it's that easy. Okay. LivingSpringsRetreat.com. .com. Okay, we've got that. Naomi, let's talk about this just a bit because just practical example. I had a woman reach out to me just recently. She said, you know, I'm hearing all this stuff about whole foods and plant-based eating, and, and I want to do more like that, but I don't know, you know, how to cook. You mentioned cooking classes. Is that part of your realm of instruction as well as the actual meal preparation? Yeah,
5: I do the cooking classes, and when we do the virtual session, we do have a cooking class on there as well. And we do have a YouTube channel. There's some cooking classes on there, not as much, but there's different lectures that they can hear.
1: So here's what would help. I've got folks listening who would love to improve their diet. Mm -hmm. You have folks come through and they tell you, I hate this stuff, I don't like this, and yet I'm guessing maybe by the end of the week... They're finding that some of the things they thought they didn't like or couldn't eat, you've shown them some recipes that have changed their mind. Is that fair to say? Yeah,
5: yeah. They they said, we just didn't know that vegetarian food could taste as good or that we could eat like this. So they've been very impressed.
1: So do you have any pointers, someone listening? What kind of things should they look into? What should they do if they say, hey, I don't like lettuce and uh, and cucumbers?
5: Well, just be creative. And nowadays, there is a lot of information out there, you know, Mm -hmm. different recipes online. And um, just keep it simple. You know, sometimes we think that things have to be very gourmet, but they don't. You know, just keep it simple. And I think one thing that I tell a lot of guests, you know, they think, well, how am I going to get my protein? Mm -hmm. But if we remember that uh, grains and beans are a complete protein together, and a lot of the world... They have rice and beans in Mexico or their tortillas or in India they've got the the grain and the, the bean. And so a lot of the world already knows that. And mm-hmm. so vegetarians can definitely get their protein through the – um, you can definitely get enough protein that you need.
1: And definitely in Indian country, a lot of uh, tribes speak about the three sisters, the corn, the beans, the yeah. squash. Um, that brings up an interesting question, Naomi, because over the years I've heard a lot of people say, I just can't eat beans. Uh, They don't agree with me. Now, there's a whole lot of beans. I'm sure you've dealt with people like this. What do you tell them? What do you serve them if they think they just can't eat beans?
5: Well, I think some of it is in the process, too. I Mm. think that soaking the beans overnight is a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes they're not cooked enough. And Mm. so I think if you can, the best is to do it with a pressure cooker or an Instapot because that really cooks them well. And so we don't have much as much problems with the beans or much much complaints, but we use the pressure cooker or, I mean, the Instapot. The Instapot is easier and less scary for a lot of people. The pressure cooker can kind of scare people just because of the pressure factor, but the Instapot has been a really nice new invention, I think, that a lot of people are talking about. And it just, it's quick. You know, within 45 minutes or 20 minutes, um, you've got your beans cooked.
1: No, we don't have any... Advertising arrangements with Instapot. <laughs> you're you're not a representative for the company. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. And and of course, I've run into a lot of people because I, I deal in this realm who are using Instapots. My wife has one, mm-hmm. but some people are listening. They're saying the Insta what? Um, what are we talking about here? Naomi?
5: Instapot. You can find it almost anywhere. I guess I'd say Google it. Uh, But it's a stainless steel bowl inside that has a lid on it that um, clicks on and the pressure builds. So it's like a pressure cooker, Uh but it's not as scary for a lot of people because of the way it's made. It's just simple. You put it in there. You put on, I want to cook beans, and it will do the whole process for you.
1: Okay. I think you've nailed something really important because I myself have problems if I eat beans that are not well cooked. Right. And I've noticed that if if you buy beans in a can— they're never well cooked. And I can understand why. I mean, if you, if they were really well cooked, I mean, they just kind of mush. are mushy and, and you'd say, I thought this was kidney beans. It looks like, you know, red mush, right? Yeah. But, um, so those canned beans, they always seem to bother me. Uh-huh. And I think a lot of folks are like that. So what you're saying is just learning to cook the beans thoroughly, soak them overnight, uh-huh. um, General rule of thumb, right? Pour off the water. Isn't that what you do? Soak them in one thing of water and then pour the water off. Put new water in.
5: And if you don't have an Instapot or something like that, when you're cooking your beans on the stove, bring them to a boil and pour off the first boil water. Oh, okay. And then cook them again.
1: So bring them to a boil. I haven't heard that technique before. That's
5: what I've heard. I mean, we always use the Instapot or I use the Uh Crock-Pot. You know, if you don't mind, the Crock-Pot is a slower way, Mm -hmm. but you can turn your them on the crock pot for six hours
1: or so and now personally that's what i do i mean my wife's usually doing the cooking but when i'm on my own and cooking up beans i'll throw them in a crock pot and i'm one of those guys who has a talent at burning things real well <laughs> and the, the crock pot makes that really hard
5: that's true that's true well and to be honest with you i don't i'm rather simple in my cooking at home and mm-hmm. i don't want another appliance so i myself have not bought an instapot okay because I have several little crock pots and I just don't want another appliance. Uh-huh. And so I haven't invested in that. But for the time factor, that's very nice. And so we do definitely use it up at the Lifestyle Center.
1: Now, another thing, you know, we're speaking about beans, and we're talk, talking about the digestibility. You know, we've mentioned the soaking in water overnight, pouring off the water, recooking them, cooking them thoroughly till they're, they're soft, very soft, uh, just kind of fall apart, if you will. Um, Another thing that I've recommended over the years to patients is if even doing all that, you're still having problems, then after you've cooked it fully, throw it in the freezer. Um, Uh Have you ever tried that method? I've never heard of that. Okay. So you Uh taught me the one about boiling them before cooking. So there's, there's another idea. That's another idea. The bottom line is just like indigenous people found, these can be very powerful as far as healing. Improving blood sugar control, lowering cholesterol. Do you guys do any lab work? Is it a medical program there at Living Springs? No, we
5: don't. We, Mm -hmm. we focus on only education. Our Mm -hmm. medical, well, our director of our lifestyle center, she is a nurse Mm -hmm. and a naturopath, actually. Okay. But we just don't get into the blood work and all of that factor. We ask our guests if they would like us to look at it. They're Mm -hmm. welcome to bring some of their recent work and we'll look at it with them, but we don't do it there.
1: Okay. Any stories of people that came and a week later, their whole perspective changed. Can you share anything like that with us?
5: Well, I'll share you just the power of the impact, I guess. We, um, there was a couple from Florida mm-hmm. and, uh, this father, his name is Eric. He, his wife wanted him to come because she wanted him to get off of smoking. And so he, he was like, "Will you go?" And so he said, "Okay, I'll go." She said, "You go and you show us and tell us." You know, she have, they have five children. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't sure really what he was coming to, but he came, and he was like, "Wow!" And he's a personal trainer, and our personal trainers, he said, "Your personal trainers make me look like I'm not doing a good job because he really? said they wore me out." <laughs> okay. But um, he felt so good at the end of the week, huh. and he says, "I want my whole family to come back." This is in May couple years ago and uh, he went home and he told his wife all about the program he got his parents to come visit and he was having his wife doing juicing with them and helping them and they could see some results just in the little things that he shared a few months later he sent his wife and daughter And they, his wife has a salon and one of her clients, so three of them came because of his experience a few months before. That
1: is tremendous. And
5: then they got some more people to come on virtually just uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And they are so excited. They said they're still following the program and feeling great and doing great.
1: I love the story, Naomi. (laughs) It's amazing. Well, so many people tell me, they say, well, why would I go away for a program for a week? Why would I do a virtual program for whatever length of time? Because people just go back to their old way of living. And what I hear you saying is, no, we're seeing real-life people. A one-week intensive can totally change someone's life, right? Yeah,
5: they can see the difference. And if they, in a week, you know, we don't get sick overnight, and so we don't always get well overnight. But mm-hmm. if we put in things that are going to help us, if we put in more exercise or if we eat better, we drink more water, we get our sunshine. All of these things can help us, and we'll start seeing results, and we'll want to live healthier lives. Tremendous. Because how can we enjoy life if we don't have our health? You got it. We got to have our health.
1: We have to step away. We've got another segment coming up in today's show. Naomi has to step away, but we are going to be back. If you want to get a hold of her and her team, it's simply livingspringsretreat.com. I'm Dr. DeRose. Stay tuned for our final segment right up after this.
0: Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: Welcome back for our final segment of today's broadcast. I'm Dr. David DeRose. With me, another great guest on a really very different topic, but somewhat related. She is Dr. Rose Gamblin. Rose is the, well, the voice behind Homeschool Companion. Rose, it is great to have you with us.
4: Thank you so much. I'm looking so forward to just having this little conversation. I always do. Been had a heart for indigenous peoples and, of course, homeschooling.
1: Well, this is really a timely topic. We started in this show talking about someone who was involved with uh, emotional and spiritual care for those who experienced that tragedy at the Champlain Towers in the Miami area. Then we had someone speaking about uh, the historical trauma of a worldwide flood, you know, whether that really happened or not. We discussed uh, some about that. Then we had someone speaking, uh, trying to take us positively <laughs> from some of these traumatic events, things that we can do to grow beyond that, uh, talking about lifestyle change. And now, speaking about homeschooling, this is really something that's become even more relevant in the context of this recent trauma, if you will, this global trauma from the pandemic. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about you, Dr. Rose Gamblin. Just who are you? What does that doctor before your name mean?
4: Well, it just means that I had to go to school a long time. <laughs> and, uh, and I had a heart for kids, how they thought, how they learned best. And so eventually I had a PhD with special ed as the, uh, emphasis.
1: Excellent. So special education, a doctorate in that. And you've taken this and translated into a pretty dynamic work with families who are looking to teach their kids at home. Yes.
4: Right? In fact, you know, God That was the first school, really, home, and and it's still the first school. Whether you send your children to public school or whether you can keep them home and teach them all the subjects, you are, as a parent, the number one educator of your children, pure and simple.
1: That's a powerful message, and for a lot of our folks today, it's not just the parents, it's the grandparents, the aunties, the uncles, right?
4: Yeah, I have a whole following of grandparents, and now I'm a grandparent, so I can see why they are so in love with their grandchildren.
1: So tell us a little bit about what you do, because I've got folks listening. They want something that they can really take with them and translate into action in these challenging times. What kind of resources uh, do you have, uh, your team?
4: Well, uh, of course I have you know, garnered resources as life has gone on. I have my own little website, which is homeschoolcompanion.org, and then I have my Facebook, which is Homeschool Companion. And then on Pinterest, I have been, and I talk about it in my own show, Homeschool companion. I I have a many boards, and all of these boards contain uh, learning tools. Or, ah. you know, like there might be a curriculum board. And then, it ha- then I've collected all the things that I vetted, and I thought that would be good for a family. And then there's arts and crafts. In a forest classroom, I'm really big on outdoor education. Excellent. I think the more we can do outdoors with our children, the better off. So I have my outdoor my forest classroom there with all the outdoor education uh-huh. tools and it's just, you know, it's it's just so full of ideas. One place you can go, MR Gambling 2. You can go there and you could actually do your whole homeschool out of that Pinterest site because really? it just has so many free resources.
1: So someone who's not a user of Pinterest, um you Kind of all kinds of different notes and things that, uh, that someone can just take and use the curriculum. Yeah, How does that work?
4: It, so each board, so you have a board that's a category, mm-hmm. and then you click on that board, and then all the ideas that you've vetted or tried out mm-hmm. are there. And some of them, when I try them out, I'm going, oh, I'll take that off because it okay. doesn't quite work. But I really like my, my STEAM board, which is stands for Science Technology. Uh, engineering, arts and math. And then I have a STEM board and that just is the more I started that one first, but uh-huh. STEM was the big right, right, but now right. it's STEAM. Uh-huh. And Whatever the case may be, it has ideas that are pretty simple, you know, things that you can make out of household things that you might have, like wow. empty toilet paper rolls okay. and <laughs> and there's then there's a chemistry board that has all kinds of interactive chemistry experiments for older kids that you might want to do if you're trying to teach a hands-on chemistry class to your older students and uh-huh. so it's a real hands-on visually uh, it, it's just visual embedded with lots of visuals for example in uh, i like to do windows on god's world it's an old devotional for children but oh. every single devotion that i do on that then I try to have put things more things on the board and so I have one board just called windows on god's world and it's just nature things I have video about that topic and then really? a craft that you can do about that topic so it's just a real rich board of resources free resources for parents
1: This is tremendous and and I'll just uh, share with my listeners this this book windows on god's world um regardless of whether you're a christian whether you just appreciate the evidence of the creator in nature. Um, tremendous book. We enjoyed going through that with our children it's when they classic. were young. Yeah, yeah, it's no question. Classic. And now you've got all these resources that people can just yeah. go on. You've got me interested. I'm, I'm not a Pinterest user. I've heard about <laughs> it, but, but definitely this sounds like something. I, if I go on Pinterest, I'm looking for Gambling 2
4: Yeah, the number two.
1: Okay, and Gamblin... And is G-A-M-B-L-I-N, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. Tell me about some more of the details. I want to
4: got. tell about PacificJustice.org. Now, the founder of that is, uh, the attorney Brad Dacus. And huh. we became friends with him when he would come to these conventions and have maybe a fourth of a cubicle, you know, he'd okay. share it with somebody. And now he's just gone nationwide. It's all pro bono work. Huh. He helps families, particularly that might have issues with Child Protective Services. Oh, really? And Child Protective Services is a dangerous entity. Uh, you know, if you as a parent, if they come and say they want to do a home inspection, the best thing you could do is to take your children and leave and contact him, and he will give you the steps that you need to do to make sure that they don't take your child. Unfortunately, it's become very monetized and it's, in, and it's incentivized. Hmm. So every child that they take, then that little agency gets a, like an $8,000 bonus. So agents now are being told, look at you haven't brought in your quota this month. And so they'll go through files and see, you know, is there anybody that might be slightly vulnerable? Maybe they hit their child one time or maybe they're homeschooling and they didn't get it approved or something. So I really I always put that resource there, pacificjustice.org, because they are. They're fighting for churches, they're fighting for families, and they're doing it all pro bono.
1: Wow, that's interesting. A great, interesting. great service. And, is very, and so, I mean, I think for folks throughout Indian country, I mean, some may be under tribal jurisdictions. That may not be a huge issue, but many people throughout Indian country, yes. no doubt, uh, like any segment of the population, yes. could be dealing with this. And I think what I'm hearing you say, uh, uh, Rose, is that one of the things that can put you at risk, at least historically, is teaching your kids at home. Yes.
4: And we take our freedoms for granted here in the United States. Mm. Every state has different laws. Mm-hmm. But Europe now, one country after the other, is now making homeschooling illegal. Wow. And we know that that threat could happen to us as well.
1: Now, Rose, you've got a uh, – is, is it a blog? It's a radio show? It's, it's everything? I mean, what, t- tell me uh, for some of the other content before we run out of time yeah, in this so last we, segment.
4: We started in 2008. Mm-hmm. And by, at that point, there was maybe 3% of the United States homeschooling. Now it's almost 12%. Wow. So it's quadrupled. Um, and we, uh, we air on brick and mortar stations, about 125 nationwide. It's also live streamed every day at 1105 wow. Eastern standard time for, for a half hour. And in that show, The first half is really dedicated to home education and to parents. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just little segments of devotion, arts and crafts, a curriculum review, and then questions that parents may ask that they send in, you know, that they send in to me. And those questions really give me a pulse of what parents and what grandparents, what families are going through, you know, so we're here to help them.
1: Okay, Rose, I think I've got this down. If we want to access... All your materials, single best place to start is homeschoolcompanion.org, correct?
4: Correct. That's absolutely correct.
1: And I know you've got some other opportunities, though. You've got a phone line. You interview people. Tell us yeah, a little so bit about that.
4: We are always looking for people to interview, and our topics are like career, conversion stories, recording artists or authors, health, parenting, Um Nonprofit ministries. And so call us at 301-824-3162 and book an interview with us. We can do it with Skype or video messaging or just phone. And it really is a blessing to others because everybody has a story really to tell.
1: That's tremendous. That's tremendous. So those of you that are homeschooling, Rose is happy for you to dialogue with her, share your story, ask your questions. Is that fair too?
4: That's fair too. Pray with them.
1: Wonderful. Again, that number, 301-824-3162. Or start it off by just going to homeschoolcompanion.org. Rose, thanks so much for pulling away from your busy schedule here at ASI.
4: Thank you very much.
1: Well, with that, we've got to finish up our show today. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully, you've been inspired by the things that we've talked about today. As always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health.